Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Wolves are beautiful creatures. Noble, smart, and when you mix them with humans, they become the most terrifying nightmare fuel imaginable. But nature would never let that happen, right? Human-wolf hybrids. Welcome back to Unexplained Encounters. I'm your host, Darkness Prevails. Today I've got some allegedly real sightings of werewolves and dogmen, plus more mountain monster encounters. Enjoy. And remember to send me your scary stories at darkstories.org so I can narrate them. I'm looking for stories set in Arizona, in the Black Forest, in state parks, and stories from truckers. Also be sure to check out our newest shows, Destination Terror and Tales from the Break Room. You'll love those if you enjoy haunted places or work-related horror. Both are available on Spotify, Apple, and your favorite podcast app. Finally, follow me on Twitter at DarkPrevails for announcements, polls, and to hear me complaining about random stuff. Now, let's begin. Bigfoot is a Shapeshifter From C.J. Mullins I'm no writer, but I'll do my best to describe what I saw. I live on a mountain in West Virginia. Only three households live up here. All of us retired, and between us, we own just over 20 acres. Our property borders the summit, a 10,600-acre property owned by the Boy Scouts, and that property borders 70,000-plus acres of maintained, preserved wilderness. Naturally, there's a lot of wildlife in this area. My husband has chickens, and because he likes to keep tabs on what might be messing with them, he keeps a trail cam posted near the coop. We see raccoons, foxes, we've seen a bobcat, a mountain lion too. DNR will tell you West Virginia doesn't have them, but we do. I saw one last summer running across my yard. We've seen a lot of coyotes on it, and every so often a bear. Now, the layout of the property is important. The three households own a lot of land, but our homes are situated in sort of an upside-down triangle from my point of view. The neighbor at the top left of the triangle has his home situated far back from the entrance of his gate, and I've never seen any source of light coming from there at night. The neighbor at the top right and up a slight hill has a dusk to dawn light, and we at the bottom point of the triangle have motion lights. When we built our house, we had an attached garage, but later my husband decided we needed a three-car garage behind the house. He's a retired carpenter and gets bored, so he invents things to build. I took full advantage of this and turned the attached garage into my craft room. Last Friday night, I was sitting in my craft room doing my thing. 
I like to listen to YouTube videos while I work, so I was picking out a playlist on my iPad. It was about 10.30 at night, very dark out, and I had the garage door up because it was warm. The only light was the light spilling out of my garage, and a bit of my neighbor's dusk to dawn light, which from my viewpoint only lightly illuminated part of the drive leading up the hill. My nine-year-old beagle was sleeping on the floor next to me when he began to growl. We've had him since he was six weeks old, so I've heard him growl before, but never like this. I looked down at him, and then in the direction he was looking. It was standing in the middle of my neighbor's driveway, about halfway up the hill. I instantly knew that it wasn't a man. It was, I would guess, about seven and a half feet tall. I'm bad at that, but that's my best guess. The thing was standing on two legs, and due to the dim light, I couldn't tell if it was facing me or facing the other way. I know bears can stand up. I've never seen one do it in person, but I know they can do that. But this thing didn't look like a bear to me. It wasn't really fat enough, I guess. It was bulky, but not fatty like a bear. I then realized I was on full display under the bright lights in that garage, so I took four steps to hit the light switch. When I stood up though, it moved. It didn't run, but walked rapidly. It did look like a man walking, but again, this was not a man. I stood frozen, focusing my eyes on the area it went in. It walked into the wooded area between the two points of the triangle between my neighbor's drives. I don't think its fur was black. I got the impression it was a dark brown. Once my eyes adjusted, I could see a shadowy shape in the wooded area. Then I saw it go from a dark color to a lighter one, and for a split second, I mean, if I had blinked, I would have missed it, I saw the shape of its head and shoulder area change. It wasn't like the American werewolf in London, slow and painful looking, but it happened extremely fast. It then dropped down, and a few seconds later, the biggest coyote I've ever seen walked out of the area, stopped, looked straight at me, then trotted off into the woods to the left. I know, if a coyote had been in the patch of woods, it would have ran out when that thing ran in there. I also know that I saw that thing change. I never believed in shapeshifters. I thought it was just scary stories kids told each other. As far as Bigfoot, I've never had an opinion. I like to believe in him, but didn't ever expect to see one. And I also don't drink or do drugs. I know what I saw that night. I just can't wrap my mind around it. I had my husband check his trail cam, but that thing didn't come near it. I had my cell phone lying next to me on the table at the time, but all of this happened so fast, I didn't have time to try to get a shot of it. Then again, I don't think it would have picked up anything. It was just too dark for a phone camera. If I'd thought to grab it when it was in the middle of the drive with the dim light behind it, I may have gotten a shot of its form, but I just didn't think of that in the moment. Not all legends are fiction. From KK. Let me start by saying most people aren't going to believe this, but this is my memory of it. My husband and I went to visit my mother for Thanksgiving. She lives on top of a mountain on several acres of national forest. Basically, you wind all the way to the top, take a turn on a barely drivable road, punched right through the woods. 
She spent years building a beautiful cabin where she resides still today. It's like nothing you can describe, really, except one simple thing, isolation. There aren't too many folks up on the mountain, and they like it that way. This is why I'm not throwing out a location. And yes, I know it's convenient, and for some it will be frustrating, but I'd rather keep it private. At any rate, we absolutely loved spending holidays out there, as you can imagine. On this particular occasion, it was November of 2010. We had built a campfire and were sitting around enjoying the sounds of the woods and telling stories. My mother looks up and says, The craziest thing happened here recently. My neighbor called me and asked me to come over. She had something to show me, so when I went over to my neighbor, she tells me, So this morning I went to check on my deer cams. One of my cams was completely destroyed. The cam was in pieces, but I managed to get the SD card. The first picture was of a huge buck. The second picture, well, I got this. As my mom explained the story, she told us what was in that picture, or at least what she saw. My mom said it was some sort of animal. It was extremely pale with long arms and legs. She said it looked like the flash of the deer cam made its eyes light up too. The creature appeared to not even have a nose. She went on to say, so after that, the neighbor obviously freaked out, took the photo to the local police. They supposedly laughed in her face and said it was fake. Not long after, the people in town started to talk. They made remarks about her being crazy and a hoaxer. So then she sends it to the state government. I'm not kidding you. And they told her it was a hoax too. By this time, she was getting so much crap about it. She just stopped talking about it altogether. My mom then went on to explain that the last she'd ever heard of it was that the neighbor gave the SD card to her drunk son-in-law. At that point, my husband and I are like, holy crap, no way. Then my detective brain kicked in, so I grabbed my MacBook and made a Google search and came up with a certain picture. I showed it to my mom, and she said, oh my god, that's the same thing. I did some more research, and from what I can figure, the SD card was sent to a news station anonymously. I'm thinking that was the son-in-law who did it. Now for those who may not have heard, and to those who may have already guessed, I'm talking about something that looks like the rake. Now for the record, I'm not saying the rake is real, but I am saying this story is real. I'm saying that the photo is real. That as far as I believe, it was not photoshopped or faked, it was taken on a real cam in the middle of the night in the middle of hundreds of acres of national forest. Also, my mom has lived there for 20 years and has never seen anything like this. So you decide for yourself. Do you think things like the rake or crawlers exist? Mountain Hiking Monster From Dog Lover 2002 I'm a 19-year-old female and I love hiking especially when I need a pick-me-up. Well, in August of last year, my friend Gia and I went hiking. I brought my dogs, Bane, a three-year-old Bernese mountain dog, and Clocker, a nine-month-old Cocker Spaniel. We would be hiking through the Wichita mountains. We made sure to bring our coats just in case it got cold. About seven minutes into our hike, I get this feeling that we're being watched. Gia sees the look on my face and asks, Rainy, are you okay? I get ready to say something in response. When we heard this rustling noise, Bane and Clocker began to growl. Gia, throwing caution to the wind, said, Hey, who's there? 
That's when this tall creature walked onto the trail in front of us. The dogs went crazy. The thing looked half man, half goat. We stood there in shock until the creature began running towards us. We turned around and ran down the trail with the dogs. Bane and Clocker beat us to the car. We hopped inside and sped away. I still have no idea what we saw, but we don't go hiking anymore. Gia was too scared to live on her own after that encounter, so she moved in with me. Clocker has gotten more brave, and Bane growls at every single goat or lamb he sees, except for my goat, Lucky, who Bane grew up with. I ended up telling another friend of mine named Andre about the experience, and the first thing he said was, probably a goat man. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. Do you believe in monsters? And given the chance, would you be brave enough to track one down on your own? In June's Journey, people are the true monsters, and you can live the story yourself rather than sitting back and listening to one. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly two million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. The Thing in West Virginia From Tim Roger This story occurred in Parkersburg, West Virginia. Even though I was originally born in Charleston, I moved to Parkersburg when I was three. I was raised in an isolated area in the mountains. West Virginia is known for its scary cryptids and the well-known Mothman. But I'm here to tell you about a new type of creature, one never seen by the human eye before, at least as far as I know. I was eight years old, playing outside with my German Shepherd, I vividly remember it being a nice fall day. The trees were beginning to lose their leaves. Every step I could hear the leaves crunching below me. As I mentioned, I live in an isolated area in the mountains, so my family would have to drive about 30 minutes to town if they wanted groceries or just to take me to school. It was evening, so I was bored, just running around throwing sticks as my dog attempted to go get them. I always loved the outdoors from a young age, but this event almost changed it for me. I soon noticed a stream heading down the mountain. I went over to it and my dog followed, 
I sat down on a nearby rock and looked up. I could tell it was going to be dark soon. That's when I heard a twig snap on the other side of the stream. I looked over to see a small squirrel just looking at me. My dog barked and foolishly ran across the stream, splashing me in the process. I ran after him, but soon lost him. I looked around and soon found that I was indeed lost. I had an uneasy feeling and just wanted to be back home. I tried to retrace my steps, but I couldn't seem to find my way back. Every second that passed, that uneasy feeling would multiply. I scanned my surroundings until I found what was giving me that feeling. To this day, I still regret looking in that direction. What I saw was eight feet tall. It was skinny and had a weird face like that of a bear, but it definitely wasn't a bear. This creature had patches of brown fur, but it looked like it had gotten in a fight with something. It had long arms, and that stench that came off it was insane. I stumbled backwards, and I was just in shock. It seemed like the thing was just as scared as I was. It went down on four legs and scurried off. It sure did remind me of a grizzly bear, but I'm not sure we have grizzly bears in West Virginia. Only black bears, I believe. And if it was a grizzly bear, why would it act like that? The thing I encountered made no noise. It was silent. I just sat there pondering on what I saw. I finally got the nerve to get up, but my legs were so shaky and I was so paranoid. I looked behind me every minute. I tried to run at one point, but I had no sense of direction. Even so, I just wanted to run and so I did anyway. Eventually, I reached a road. It was the same road that led to my house. I followed it. I made it almost halfway up the road and my heart sank as I remembered I didn't know where my dog went. I tried to think of an excuse and want to tell my parents, but what would they think? I walked into my house and went directly to my bedroom. I didn't come out that evening at all. Eventually, I fell asleep. I woke up in the middle of the night with that same feeling and I swear, I heard something knocking at my window. I was petrified. I felt cold teardrops falling down my cheeks. I was so scared. The next day, my dog thankfully somehow found his way home. I was so relieved, but I could tell he wasn't the same. After that day, I haven't been in those same woods ever again. I've been too scared to, even now as I'm 38, I'm just too paranoid. I don't know what was messing with us. From Angel F. This took place in 2013 in Boulder, Colorado. I always think about this from time to time, and I never will understand what this thing was or why this happened. My boyfriend, now husband, and I wanted to go spend some time in the mountains. He invited another couple and his two brothers, and we left about one in the afternoon. We found the most random spot, then stopped to get out and cook some food. We weren't too deep in the woods because the road was literally right next to us. But if you looked around, there was nothing but trees everywhere and not very many cars passed by. My husband and his friend and one of his brothers decided to go exploring deeper in the woods. Me, his friend's girlfriend, and his younger brother stayed and chilled by the little fire we had going. We were enjoying ourselves, 
when all of a sudden, all three of the guys came running down the hill. They said they'd found a tent, but it was a weird makeshift one. There was garbage all around it and hair everywhere. My first thought was maybe this was someone's home and they have nowhere else to go, so they took refuge out here in the woods. The hair part was a little confusing though. They also said it was weird because when they were there, they felt as if they were being watched and the woods were unusually quiet. That's why they'd come back so fast. Mind you, they were only gone for about 10 minutes. I told him not to be messing around and if this was a prank, it wasn't funny. He said they were serious and thought maybe it was time to go. We'd already been there a few hours by then. All of a sudden, we heard what sounded like a rock being thrown. It definitely wasn't close, as if someone was trying to hit us or the car, because it was still at a good distance. By then, it was already getting dark. I'm not too sure if my eyes were playing tricks on me, but I swore I saw some sort of shadow or something moving so fast between the trees. I yelled at my boyfriend to look, and every time he did, that thing seemed to move away. We started for the car, which was only a few steps away. We rushed in the car, looking around to see if we could see this thing again, but it never showed itself. I felt like the moment we all got in the car, this thing was going to come and attack us. I felt so scared, especially because I was the one who was driving, so I had to compose myself and hope for the best. We never saw what it was, for sure, but my husband said he thinks it was a Bigfoot. Honestly, I don't know, but it was definitely a moment I'll never forget. We never did go back there. White River Wendigo from Sea Philly 100 There have been quite a few Wendigo encounters being reported out of the Roosevelt National Forest here in Colorado as of late, so I thought I'd share my encounter as well. It was back in July of 2021. I was trying to get 50 or 55 days in before the 2020-2021 ski season ended. We can ski pretty much year-round here, save for a few late summer months, and looking back, I can't seem to recall whether it was 50 or 55. Anyway, I typically like to backcountry ski out on Loveland Pass, but seeing as how it was the middle of summer, mostly all the snow up there had already melted. I could see from the top of the pass, however, that there was still a solid strip of summer snow over on the west side of the pass, southeast of Arapahoe Basin Ski Area, a couple of peaks down from Arapahoe Basin's infamous East Wall, an area featuring such ominous route names as Crap for Brains, Idiots, and The Widowmaker, just to name a few. Inspirational, right? Well, I was the wise guy who was going to hike up a nearly vertical granite wall because I just had to hit that number. Funny how I can't even remember that number. Anyhow, I drove down to the pullout down below the ascent, put the car in park, and got out to relieve myself. Now, this particular area used to be part of the Arapahoe National Forest, but it was transferred over to White River back in 1998. It's a wild area that provides significant habitat for deer, elk, mountain sheep, mountain goat, bear, and various other wildlife. It was already afternoon, which, generally speaking, is a no-no in the high mountains of Colorado in the summertime, or any time really, but especially in the summer, when lightning storms are an almost daily occurrence in the afternoons up there, and it was already clouding over by that time. 
but this was my final chance to get in before a big trip I had scheduled. So I strapped up my boots, threw my skis over my shoulder, and got to stepping. The first part of the hike was difficult. I had to make my way through some pretty thick brush just to get up into the woods. And once I got into the woods, I realized it would be easier to follow what's known as an AV track, which is basically what's left over after an avalanche slides down a natural gravitational fall line. Avalanche paths are subdivided into three sections, the start zone, the track, and the runout zone. So I was hiking up the talus path, stepping from stone to stone almost like a natural staircase. I was stopping every couple of yards to transfer my skis from one shoulder to the other. At some point, the avalanche path turned into a high mountain stream. Mind you, this is right around 12,000 plus feet above sea level at this point in the ascent. Right around the trigger zone of the AFI path, I was able to exit the talus path and start making my way up the high alpine section of the ascent. This was just a bit above treeline, where the mountain breaks up into big gullies and steep cliffed out ravines. There are some high mountain caves up there, some natural and some old gold and silver mines, the latter of which the nearby town of Silverthorn was named after. I'd never been so close to these particular caves before, and I noticed that there were quite a few bones scattered about. Either deer or mountain goats, I'm not really sure. But what startled me was that some still appeared to be fairly fresh, with flies buzzing about and feasting on the little bits of rotting flesh still stuck to the bones. I figured there must be a mountain lion den nearby, as they are a pretty common sight around the area. I wasn't too concerned though, as I had my skis to protect me, and mountain lions aren't really known to be super aggressive unless you provoke them. The thing that puzzled me, however, was the smell. Mountain lions smell like big cats. They have that same strong ammonia smell to their urine, which they use to mark their territory, so you'll smell it when they're spooked. This, on the other hand, was more like a dead, rotten flesh smell. And I'm not just talking about the little bits of flesh the flies were feasting on. More like a dead rooster that's been left out for months to bake in the hot summer sun. Believe me, I would know. I used to live on a free-range chicken farm out on Orcas Island, but that's a different story. No, this was like the kind of smell that makes you want to throw up. Very vile. Disgusting. Just then I started to hear what sounded like a chicken squawking, only differently. More hoarse and raspy, like a chicken dying from emphysema, if that makes any sense at all. My spidey senses were tingling as I quickly assessed that there's no way in heck a chicken had managed to get all the way up here. This was far away from civilization. The squawking turned into more of a high-pitched whistling sound but with the sound waves bouncing off the rocks and echoing around the gully, so I couldn't quite tell where it was coming from. That almost made it sound like it was all around me. Feeling nauseated and a bit disoriented, I then heard a loud popping sound and turned around just in time to see something truly horrific. A giant, moose-like creature with sharp, curvy antlers and a face and head like a big elk skull or something with black soulless pits for eyes, two small slits where the nose should be, and complete with long, jagged teeth hanging out of its bony, downward mouth, if you could call it that. A skeletal but muscular and rather mangy-looking ribcage, and I could see that it was hunched over on its haunches that looked like oversized deer legs, 
with the long extended heel ending in rather large hooves. It had long skinny arms that it was using to halfway run, walk, and lunge at me in a jerky and uncoordinated fashion, yet it was somehow still impossibly fast and aggressive. It was rapidly crossing the clearing in a disturbed and menacing manner. Not having much time to react, I quickly threw my skis down on the ground and clipped in, and even though there wasn't quite enough snow to ski on, off I went, bouncing down the hill, cranking over rocks and patches of grassy dirt, just praying that I didn't fall. I could hear that thing chasing me, and I knew I couldn't turn around, but I could hear its heavy bipedal footfall behind me, and I could see from our shadows that the thing was gaining on me. There was a big cliff coming up, and I knew I had to take my chances or this thing was going to catch me. Just then, I saw its two long sinewy arms, ending in long black claws that looked like they were stained with layers of old caked up blood reaching out around my waist. I shut my eyes and tried to scream, but nothing came out. When I opened my eyes, I was flying through the air, my stomach in my throat, like when you're on a roller coaster. And just like that, boom, I hit the ground. My skis went flying off into the stream, with me tumbling down behind them. It was all I could do to keep my hands out in front of my face, cartwheeling down the mountain, slicing my arms and legs open against the razor-sharp rocks. It's truly a miracle that I didn't hit my head or break any bones in the process. But then my leg got jammed up in between the rocks and a big patch of ice, stopping my fall. I could no longer see the thing, but I knew I had to keep moving. So I pulled my leg out and grimaced in pain, before sliding down the ice field and popping out into the trees below. I hoisted myself up against a tree and started to limp down, pushing it for all I was worth, finally reaching the scrubby bush below. From way up on the mountain, I heard the most grotesque and blood-chilling scream. It sounded like a demonic dragon from the movies or something. You can bet I scrambled as fast as my aching body would allow, getting back to my car. When I finally made it to my car, I jumped in and I threw it in reverse backing out onto US-6 before throwing it into gear and hauling my sorry tail out of there. I think my adrenaline began to wear off at that point, because I could feel myself shaking uncontrollably, and I had to pull over to vomit. My wounds were oozing blood, and I knew I had to tend to them before they became infected. I drove down to the nearest gas station and went into the bathroom to wash my cuts. When I came out, the gas station attendant was looking at me like, what the heck, bro? Trust me, I said. You don't want to know. Devil's Racetrack Werewolf From Skater 91 In 2013, I lived close to a hiking trail. I would build a fire in a fire pit there and hang out on cool nights with a neighbor. On two separate occasions, we heard coyotes barking and howling like they were killing prey, only to hear this eerie quietness, followed by a loud howl, which was much more deep than a wolf howl. It sent chills down my spine. A couple of months later, I moved a few miles away to an apartment with my girlfriend. I was sitting in my apartment with a couple of friends one night. My girlfriend wasn't home at the time. One of them mentioned going for a hike, so we went out. 
we stopped by our local Walmart to pick up a few things and headed out to the trails. We walked about a mile or so up before settling down and building a fire. I helped get the fire going and went to gather some wood. That's when I saw something. I believed it to be the same creature that made those weird howls. We were face to face. It was climbing up the rocky side of the mountain and stared into my eyes. This creature was eight feet tall with human-like hands and claw-like nails. Its upper body was like that of a man, but its head was wolf-like and its legs were dog-like. Its eyes had a red glint to them and strangely it looked more human than anything. Its fur was as dark as death. The creature snarled and I ran for my life back to the campfire. When I told my friends, one of them believed me but the other thought I was crazy. We left shortly after I begged to leave. On the hike back, I think it followed us all the way out, like it was territorial over the mountainside. I never returned there after dark. Warning. The following story contains depictions of violence against animals. Dogman or Werewolf in Ohio from Anonymous. I was 22 when this happened. For the past five or six years, I've only had two friends who have stuck with me through everything. We live within five minutes of each other in a rural area in southwest Ohio, specifically in the hills of the Ohio River Valley. For anonymity's sake, I'll be G. My two friends are W and A, and my brother will be R. A and R are next door neighbors, they both live on decently sized plots of land that they don't actually own. There's lots of farmland and thick forest. Behind W's house is a couple of small ponds we used to fish in. His house was pretty small and not in the best condition, and A lived in a medium-sized brick house. We'd usually go to W's house to hang out during the summer since his parents were always at camp, and A's house or my house during the other seasons. This is somewhat relevant but mostly for setup. Now, we all love guns, so when A called and told me he bought a new AR-15, I knew we were going to end up shooting before the day was over. I grabbed my SKS paratrooper carbine and Glock 19, and R grabbed his AK-47 and his SIG P-230. We got in my Jeep and drove to A's house. It was still early, about 3 in the afternoon. Less than five minutes after we pulled in, a black Chevy Impala pulled into the driveway, heralding W's arrival. He brought his AR-15 and a Beretta M9. We shot for a couple of hours, just taking pot shots at a wooden target A had built in his backyard. We ended up burning through a pretty big chunk of ammo. At that point, I decided I wanted to get something to drink. So I got into my Jeep and drove about 10 minutes away to the closest gas station. After getting to the station and getting a few cans of the Nectar of the Gods, by which I of course mean Monster, I headed back to A's house. When I came back, I saw W, A, and R standing by the door at the side of the house. A had a look of unease on his face. I exited the Jeep and walked over, asking what was going on. Uh, we heard some weird sounds in the woods a few minutes ago, W told me. I asked him what exactly he was talking about and what he meant by weird sounds. A began to explain. 
We heard some sort of loud vocalization that sounded like a mix between a coyote's yelping and a howl. None of us had any idea what it could have been, so we decided to forget about it. We went inside and played some games. After a few hours, I was bored and began browsing 4chan on my phone, and I lost track of time. But it was getting pretty late. W had walked outside to smoke a cigarette. A was in the bathroom, and R's girlfriend came and picked him up. Then A's dogs began to bark all of a sudden. This startled me. That's when I heard W come back inside the house rather quickly. I asked what was going on, and if something was wrong. Step outside. Check for yourself, he told me. I stepped outside, curious about what the dogs were barking at, and the second I opened the door, the smell hit me. It was the worst smell I've ever smelled in my entire life. Imagine the scent of a wet dog, the reek of a dead deer rotting in the sun, and the smell of a landfill. Combine those together, and you've got what I can best describe it as. Repulsed by the smell, I went back inside, telling W I can see why he came in so quickly. The dogs were still barking, and they seemed to be getting more aggressive. A finally came out of the bathroom, wondering what the commotion was about. W explained the smell, and A seemed more curious than anything. He was also angry about the prospect of someone trespassing. He grabbed his guns and walked outside to look around. He told us to stay inside until he got back. Not thinking much of it, I began to browse more of 4chan. I was startled when I heard the sound of a dog yelping followed by five gunshots in rapid succession. A couple of minutes later, A busted through the door, yelling, Get your guns, he said in a panicked voice. Some dude in a ghillie suit just killed one of the dogs. We grabbed our guns and followed him outside staying close the entire time. Sure enough, in the backyard, we found one of the dogs, dead. His throat had been torn up. This wasn't a small dog, either. It was a rather large poodle mix of some kind, and I mean one of the really big ones. Close by, we saw the other dog cowering in his house. The cows in the pasture on the other side of the road were mooing as if they were both afraid and agitated. I asked A to explain what was going on, and he told me, I was on the other side of the barn when I heard the dog yelping. When I rounded the corner, I saw this figure that looked like a big guy in a ghillie suit running towards the woods. I shot at him, hoping to hit his leg and incapacitate him or something, but I know I didn't hit him. The same smell I described earlier was still hanging in the air, but it was faint. W and A had flashlights on their rifles, and I had one on my pistol. I slung my SKS over my back and drew my pistol, and we fanned out, looking around the area. I wasn't expecting to find anything. I could see W heading to the other edge of the property, and A was moving towards the cow pasture. I headed back towards the barn, and as I started to step in, I lit a cigarette. I felt raindrops starting to hit me so I stepped under the barn to smoke. I stood there for less than a minute when I heard another gunshot. This one came from the direction W had gone in. I began to walk that way, and I saw A heading that way too. While we were making our way over, W fired off three more shots, 
What the heck are you shooting at? A asked. I saw that dude, but... W's voice was shaky and hushed. It didn't look like a guy. W took a heavy gulp and continued to explain. It looked like a big dog or a wolf. I could clearly see its muscle and ears. I just saw it standing behind some bushes, but it had to have been standing on two legs. He stopped and pulled out a cigarette, his hand shaking but still managing to light the thing. I sized it up using a nearby tree and it had to have been over six feet, at least. What are you even talking about? A asked. I chimed in. You know there aren't any wolves nearby, and coyotes don't get that big. You think a coyote would have the guts to come up and rip my dog's throat out? We've got to be dealing with some pelt-wearing hermit strung out on something. The tree that W was talking about was about 350 feet away, so we all walked over to check it out. The rain started to pick up, and the wind was getting strong as well. The clap of thunder put us all on edge. Sure enough, once we reached the tree, a large maple, the branch he used to determine the size was close to eight feet off the ground by our estimate. We decided to put the other dog into the garage to keep it safe from whoever or whatever was messing with us. This dog was inside a small kennel, but if you live in a rural area, you know a junkie always finds a way to break into places they aren't wanted. A unlocked the kennel. The dog followed A to the garage and went inside. Then A locked the door and we ran back inside the house. So, uh, should we just leave? We can just crash at G's house until morning, W said. I reminded him that R and his girlfriend were there. His face instantly shifted to that of disgust. We all hated R's girlfriend because she wasn't very nice. None of us wanted to deal with her at the time, so we unanimously decided to just hunker down with our guns and stay awake in shifts. It was past midnight at that point, and I volunteered to take the first shift, from midnight to 2 a.m. W and A soon passed out, and I sat there watching out the window. I became bored after a while, my adrenaline from earlier wearing off. I reached into my backpack and pulled out a finely crafted Gurkha cigar. I stepped out onto the back porch, lit my stogie, and began to smoke and unwind. I had been standing there for about 10 minutes when I heard the cows beginning to make a lot of noise again, and I could hear the other dog barking aggressively inside the garage. Once more, I was on edge. I set my cigar in the ashtray, and I unslung my rifle, holding it with the safety off. I made sure not to stray too far off out of the porch light, but I got far enough into the field to see movement in the tree line. I couldn't see what it was, but in a gap in the trees and undergrowth, I saw a quick flash of a gray figure. I began feeling very uneasy, so I started backing into the house. I could hear rustling over the breeze. It sounded like it was moving towards me. I pointed my rifle in that direction. If you aren't familiar with guns, a typical SKS has a 10-round fixed magazine. That means I would have 10 shots to defend myself before I'd have to reach for my pistol if something were to happen. But then, the rustling stopped. I still couldn't see anything. I was about halfway between the porch and tree line. Time felt as if it had stopped. 
and I felt as if I'd been standing there for hours. I turned and ran, hearing something burst from the undergrowth behind me. I reached the back door and threw the door open, struggling to catch my breath, likely due to years of smoking. W and A had awakened, and W's shift started soon. I told them about what happened, and they told me to go lie down for a bit. Bet when I woke up, we could all sit up until sunrise. So I lay down on the couch, managing to somehow doze off. I woke up not long after by W shaking me. We have to go now, he said in a panicked tone. A went outside over half an hour ago, and he hasn't come back yet. I was still half asleep, so it took me a moment to let that sink in. A is gone? I asked, trying to make sense of what I was hearing. I sat up, asking W to explain things. We heard the cows outside acting agitated again, but then they started to sound like they were afraid. Then some of them managed to trample through the fence. A went to see what scared them and told me if he wasn't back in 10 minutes to call the cops. By then, I was lacing up my boots. To heck with that, W began to say. A's our brother. We can't just leave him out there. We're gonna go out there and find him. I agreed without hesitation. We grabbed guns, my backpack full of extra ammo, and W grabbed a machete. We walked out the door and locked it behind us. I could see the spot in the fence where the cows had broken through. We crossed the road and walked into the pasture. This pasture is huge. Part of it is just grass. It also has a small pond, but most of it is forest, flat forest, the kind with not much undergrowth and where the trees are spaced out more. A great place for cattle and a great place to hunt as well. If I had to guess, I would say it was at least 200 acres. W used to hunt on this farmer's land as well. He was leading the way when we heard a long string of rapid gunshots, followed by a short pause, then nine more shots. It was clearly A emptying his rifle, grabbing his pistol, and emptying it as well. We sprinted in that direction even though it sounded far off. We reached the wooden part of the property and started to call for A. We kept making our way in the direction we heard the shots. Panic began to set in with each passing moment. W was losing his cool and I wasn't far behind. Then W just took off, sprinting. He yelled, there he is. That's gotta be him. I gave chase, but I was having trouble keeping up. Yo, slow down, I yelled, trying to get W to listen to me. We need to stick together here. But he didn't listen. His light was bobbing back and forth as he ran, and I continued to follow. I slipped in a mud puddle at one point. At least, I hoped it was just mud, and I ate the ground. I looked up and started trying to regain my bearings. But when I did, I saw this silhouette standing about 50 feet away. It looked like a big German Shepherd type dog standing on its back legs. Its ears were up and I could see its muzzle as it was looking in a different direction. I looked down and I saw that it didn't have typical front legs. Instead, it had what looked to be arms with hands and fingers tipped with claws. It seemed to be covered in gray matted fur but what stood out the most to me were the piercing yellow eyes. 
I saw it take off running in the direction W was going. I stood up as quickly as I could, giving chase in the same direction. If W was in danger, I had to do something to try to help. I ran and ran, starting to hear more gunshots, and eventually I saw W's light in the distance. He stopped shooting, and I saw the light pointing at the ground like he was reloading. I caught up and asked him if he saw it. I looked over and noticed A was on the ground, his back against a tree. I started to panic, asking if he was okay. He's breathing, just unconscious, W explained. We've got to get him home. We both picked him up and slung one arm around our shoulders. We began to make our way back to the house, but we knew we were being watched, and even worse, followed. We could hear it moving when we moved, stopping when we stopped. I drew my pistol with my free hand and switched on the light attached to it. My eye stung as sweat made its way inside. W and I were both out of breath, and we still had quite a long way back to go. After walking for about 20 minutes, A finally woke up. We stopped and asked him to explain what happened, but we were cut off by the sound of a branch snapping. W and I both trained our lights in that direction and saw the now familiar flash of gray just at the edge of the light. I turned in that direction and fired off three shots. We heard a growl and the sound of something big running away. We took that opportunity and booked it, if I had kept track of time and direction as well as I thought, we should be breaking through the trees in about 10 minutes. Then we should be able to see the light from the house. We ran through the pasture and made it to the fence. We crossed the street. I asked A to unlock the door to the house and he frantically searched his pockets for the key, but couldn't find it. He began to panic. W calmed him down and suggested he try a window. A being the smallest of us agreed. We went to the back of the house and managed to remove the AC from a window, which A then climbed through. He let us in, and the rest of the night was uneventful. I'm sorry for the anticlimactic ending to the actual story, but I do have more to say. The next day, we talked to the owner of the pasture where this happened. He found three of his cows dead and partially eaten. He also found a blood trail in the wooded area that led towards the house, then the opposite direction to the edge of his property. He also found A's keys on the ground where he had been knocked out and where we'd found him. The farmer explained that blood trail led to the land owned by an old hermit who lived in a trailer in the woods. He apparently never leaves and has relatives bringing him food. It's rumored that he messed with the occult in his younger days. We told the farmer what we experienced but he didn't believe us, thinking we instead encountered a pack of rabid coyotes or feral dogs. None of us agree with that. So what could it have been? Was it a wolf-like cryptid? Was it a werewolf? A still lives in the same house, but he hasn't seen or heard anything like it since. Once again, sorry for the anticlimactic ending. The Thing That Followed the Truck From Ninabug, 1998 This happened when I was on a family road trip from Iowa to Texas. It was me, my grandpa, my aunts, Sam and Ash, and my uncle, Lee. This was when they were all teens and I was living with my grandpa. 
We took my grandpa's truck. The back had a top and we put a mattress in the back for the trip. I was in the back of the truck pretty much the whole time, talking to the others through the little window. At night, my aunts slept in the back with me, while Lee and Grandpa slept in the front. Grandpa would drive until really late, and sometimes Lee would drive to give Grandpa a break. I'm not sure which state we were in at the time, but it was getting dark, and it was raining. I felt like I was in some horror story or something. So we were at a gas station or truck stop, and I stayed in the truck. I think I was reading or riding at the time. I had a flashlight so I could see what I was doing. This was before I ever had anything like a phone or a DS, and at the time my Game Boy was dead. I looked up, my neck was really stiff. I tried to pop it to make it feel better. You know how you turn your head enough to make it go pop? Well, that's what I did, and when I did, I looked out the window and saw something. I don't know what it was. It was dark, stormy, and it was like across a parking lot and a road. At first, I thought my eyes were playing tricks on me because I was tired. Then I got an uneasy feeling, and I tried to ignore it. My family came back out, passing through the window a drink and snacks. I didn't think about saying anything. Like I said, I thought it was just my mind playing tricks on me in the dark. I ate my snacks and eventually went to sleep. We were on the road for three or four days there and three or four days back. There were a lot of storms. I wasn't sure what state we were in, but I saw it a lot at night. It was like it was following the truck. To make it creepier, I didn't see it when we were in a town or city, just on the dark back roads. I never knew for sure if my mind was playing tricks on me or if something really did follow us. What I remember of it was that it was big, like a little bigger than a man in height, but wide, really wide. I'm four foot, eleven and a half inches, and it was wider than I am tall. I never got a better look at it. It never came close enough for me to make out more details. It always kept pace with the truck too, no matter how fast we were going. It was kinda hunched over, and I think it ran on two legs. It didn't seem to have that movement that, say, a dog would have while running. It looked like maybe it had long, shaggy fur or hair on it. If anyone has any ideas of what this might have been, let me know. Or maybe it really was just my mind playing vivid tricks on me. The Wolfman of Manchester, New Jersey From Sneeves0426 Part 1 Before I begin, this story is from the perspective of my friend Harold. And for the sake of anonymity... I'll keep details as vague as possible along with not using his name or the names of the people involved. I believe I saw a cryptid that most people would know as a dogman or wolfman of the sort in the New Jersey Pine Barrens. Let me begin. When I received my license at 17 years old, I started spending all my free time outdoors, hiking all over the East Coast, but mostly within the New Jersey Pine Barrens since I live in New Jersey. I would later graduate Stockton University with a bachelor's degree in environmental science. I worked as a naturalist at Batstow Village in Warden State Forest for a while, which is the biggest state forest within the New Jersey Pine Barrens. I got the job before my internship ended due to my knowledge of plants and animals. 
When I first applied, I hadn't even finished my first semester in college, so they didn't expect me to have the credentials. I only give out this information because when I see an animal in the woods, day or night, I know with 100% certainty what I'm looking at. And after almost six years from the time of writing this story, I can't wrap my head around the creature that I saw. I'm an open-minded person to a point. I do believe certain cryptids can exist solely if the biology of the creature is possible. But that doesn't put a bipedal canine on my list. Roughly about six years ago, I along with two of my friends, one a welder and one a mechanic, I'll be calling Chris and Alan respectively, went off-roading in Alan's truck somewhere in Manchester, New Jersey. We met with a bunch of Alan's off-roading buddies in a spot they frequented. I do not know the specific area, only that it was in Manchester, New Jersey, and it was very close to the general vicinity of the abandoned brick factory. We hung out for a few hours, drove around the dirt trails, and just had a good time socializing with other people. I didn't have any substances in my system, because after we left, I had to drive myself home. So I was sober, along with Alan, who was also sober. But to be honest, Chris was a bit high. We were starting to leave, and as we were taking the trails to get back to the main road, Alan told me to help look out for deer. He was driving only 35 miles per hour, because the dirt path we were on was pretty open, about 30-ish feet wide, and we were dead in the middle in case he did have to respond to a deer jumping out of nowhere. A few minutes go by, and my sharp eyes spot a deer running alongside the truck, but within the tree line, so the view of it wasn't more than a dark brown patch of fur. As I'm about to say something to my friend Alan, thinking that this is a deer about to run in front of the car, the animal speeds up its pace significantly and gets about 20 feet ahead of the truck still in the tree line. Then it proceeds to jump out in front of the truck. For as long as I live, I'll never forget what I saw that night. It ran on its two back legs, looked right up at us, and to our horror, it ran across this 30-foot-wide dirt road in two to three steps, then went into the opposite tree line. In those few seconds, I saw this dogman or wolfman. It was roughly seven feet tall, estimating its height using Alan's lifted truck as a reference. It was covered in dark brown fur. Every inch of its body was covered, but the chest and stomach area had less fur and a lighter-colored fur than the rest of the body. But even under all this fur, you could make out extreme muscle definition, very similar to an Olympic bodybuilder. It also had a canine type of head with a long snout, and two distinct perked-up wolf ears, and large muscular legs. The torso and arms were similar to that of a very muscular man with large hands. These hands had visible claws that looked like they could do some real damage, and its eyes reflected an unnatural color of light that I haven't seen in the animal kingdom. As soon as it jumped into the opposing tree line, my friend Alan slammed on the brakes, and Chris said, I know I'm high, but what the actual heck was that? My friends, puzzled by what we just saw, looked at me and went, Okay, nature boy, please tell us that was something explainable. I sat there dumbfounded, telling them I didn't have an answer, not one based in reason or science, nothing I could logically think of, and my friend Alan hightailed it out of there. To this day, my friend Chris has convinced himself that it wasn't a hallucination because of the pot, and my other friend Alan, who doesn't believe in the supernatural and absolutely refuses to have an open mind, 
doesn't speak about this event, pretending it never happened. To this day, I still have no logical explanation for what I saw. I do not believe that a bipedal canine creature could logically, biologically exist, but what I saw was something matching that description with my own eyes, and it was very real. Part 2 My name is George, and I believe I had a similar encounter to Harold's. It was close to where his first encounter was, which was near the abandoned brick factory in Manchester. To start off, my brother has taken me to this place before with Harold, and I thought it was pretty cool, so I decided to go back there with a group of friends one night. To my horror, we encountered something that I never thought could be real. Like I stated above, my friends and I came back to the abandoned brick factory to explore it shortly after my brother took me with his friend Harold. He warned us never to come back there at night, but we didn't heed Harold's warning. We were told by Harold that he had some other experiences there that haunted him for a long time, but we thought he was joking around or exaggerating. Anyway, on to the story. As soon as we got there, we felt as if we were being watched, as if there was some kind of eerie presence about the place. My friends and I were a little spooked early on, and as our eyes darted all around the woodline, I spotted something. In the woodline up ahead, I saw something that shouldn't be possible. There was what looked to be, well, a werewolf. Its piercing yellow eyes were staring into my soul, it felt like, and it gave me the creeps when I was looking at it. It was abnormally tall, maybe nine or ten feet. It had large wolf-like or dog-like perked ears and a long snout. Its body was similar to a bodybuilder, with large muscles that were visible through its fur. But its head was similar to a German shepherd or a wolf, and its hands ended in claw-like digits. I blinked to make sure that it wasn't my imagination, to my terror. My friends reacted to this thing as well. They were startled. To me, it felt like it was beckoning me to come closer, and its stare was so quiet yet soul-piercing. I felt like a deer in the headlights. The way it looked also reminded me of an Egyptian jackal, except this could not be real. It didn't do anything but stare at us and make us feel intimidated. But when it walked away, we ran out of the area. To this day, I'm still not exactly sure what we saw, but when my brother showed me an illustration of a dogman, it made me shudder. Whatever I saw that night looked just like the illustration my brother showed me. To this day, I'm still in disbelief about it. I'll never go back there. The entire time, I thought my life was in danger. Maybe the way it stared at us was a warning to never come back. With that, we're at the end of this week's episode of Unexplained Encounters. Don't worry, I'll be back soon with more scary stories for you to enjoy. If you don't like to wait, subscribe to Darkness Prevails on YouTube to catch new stories sooner. If you want to hear me read your story, send it to me at darkstories.org. Before I go, help us spread the word and reach new listeners. Just share this podcast with your friends and family, follow us on Spotify, and or review us on iTunes. Thank you. Until next time, everyone, remember, this world is a strange one. So stay safe out there and stay creepy.